0: Welcome to Fireside with Foxgate, a podcast for professional public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of Foxgate.com, which is an online community and service for speakers and event professionals. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker, or just want to improve your on-stage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. In this episode, I speak to Doug Thompson, who has given over 100 speeches and presentations, many of them keynotes at conferences. If you're passionate about speaking and want to make it a big part of the way you earn your living, then Doug can show you the way. Doug makes a point to talk to his audiences before and after his talks, tells us about the value of improv theatre workshops, explains the importance of storytelling, and shares how rewarding it is to see people putting the ideas he has explained into action. Let's sit down with Doug and listen to his story. Doug, thank you so much for joining us uh, at VoxGig for this podcast. I'm going to start by jumping straight in. When did you speak most recently and
1: how did it go? Oh, uh, well, I spoke to my boss yesterday, but I guess that doesn't count. I, uh, we have some, uh, I work in the education uh, division of of Microsoft and um, we had a a teacher's conference. So they have these annual conferences that that come up and I was uh, presenting in front of a bunch of uh, K through 12. I think you call it primary um, school there in the UK and just, you know, Promoting our technology, sort of showing them some really cool things that could be done. Because you know we're we've, we're not known as the coolest company. We sort of lost that a while back, so we're having to try to get some of that coolness back. I think I think that's a little unfair.
0: Microsoft is definitely. Uh,
1: I think I think it's I think you guys are are, are on the upswing again. Um, yeah, we we got our mojo back yeah. with Satya on there. It's, he sort of brought that back, and um, it's it's a totally different place to work than I, than when it was when I started 17 years ago.
0: Wow, that uh, that would be um, that would be interesting to learn about a little bit more. But let's uh, let's stick with the public speaking for a minute. Sure. Um, so that was the most recent time you spoke. But tell me about the very first time that you spoke in front of an audience.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I could go back to where I got my sort of what drove me into. Uh, I was trying to think of my yeah. earliest memory of that. I was back in high school. I was a freshman in high school. And at the time, this will show how old I am. Uh, Hogan's Heroes was, was running on TV <laughs> and, and we were doing a little skit. We, every uh, winter we had this, this play, that our, our, our festival, we called it, going on, just sort of a, a break where you could show band and, and different acting type stuff. And it was a little skit about Hogan's Heroes. And, and, and I got in and I sort of started stealing the show. I've always been somewhat of an improv uh, person, uh, not, not intentionally, but it just sort of comes out. And I was all set to go, and then the grades came out like two days before the show was supposed to go on. And un- unfortunately, I uh, didn't uh, didn't make the best marks. And my parents pulled me from that. And I still remember that; but it still hurt. And I had to sit out in the audience and watch what what could have been. Uh, but from there, I you know I took every opportunity at any time somebody gave me. The most dangerous—I'm a little bit like a politician. The most dangerous place to be is between me and a microphone. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I, I embraced the chance to do that. I've always felt very comfortable. I, I can't tell you why, but I've always felt very comfortable with with a microphone and speaking. Um, so, so, so we go back to there. Then you know, sort of just as a corporate type thing through all my jobs that I've had, I've had the opportunity to sort of share something about our company or our technology, uh, or just technology in general, and and get to do that. So it's 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 very rewarding. Uh, to do
0: one thing that's interesting uh, is to compare what you were like as a speaker when you started versus uh, where you are now. Um, so what would you what do you think would be the your biggest differences in speech craft, let's say, from those early days versus versus where you are
1: today? Oh, yeah, it's a <laughs> night and day difference. I got to watch an old video that I had done. Oh no! Oh, no! No! I hate going back to those things. <laughs> I, I don't like watching myself in general. Uh, but you know, it's something that you need to reflect upon. But yeah, I, I was very unpolished. And if if you watch me present today, to some, it, it's not this um, big. You know, polished. I have the the patches on my jacket. The very professorist type thing. I, mine's a lot of energy that goes on, and, and that's maintained. But but the structure of the of the talks that I give. Are more you know? Uh, here's here's the opening. Here's the three you know points and all that. That's much better at getting to do that um, and much crisper and talking a little bit slower uh, is you know, which is amazing for a Texan that I actually have to force myself to talk slower. Yeah, for a Texan, you think that was that's the <laughs> you guys are born with that stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, you would think so. But <laughs> not, not so, are,
0: were they were they things that you consciously learned, or have you picked up some of them? Um Subconsciously, how many how much effort have you
1: put into this? I you know I try to work on after every talk or something like that. I sort of try to sit back and reflect, and 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 I'll and I'll go to the audience and I'll ask them. You know, I, I hang around before and after. I like to sort of get in with the audience, and, and I like the before part of the audience interaction because I get some new ideas that I can include. I Always try to leave two or three different spots where I think the audience might give me some input that I can point to, or, or sort of, again, pull them in, get them, get their buy-in with that one. And then afterwards, you know, what, what, what hit home about you? This one DVD that I did uh, when I first started at at Microsoft, we, we, we had these things. If you ever had a windows PC and you look on there, there's a little windows flag. Have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's some testing that goes on behind that. And it's not a it's not a trivial process to go do, but but is is somebody that thinks has read my share of technical um, manuals and technical things uh, interspersed with naps because you you read two pages and I'm asleep most of the time. I, I said there's got to yeah there's got to be a better way to do this. So I sort of created this video where I you know, with a little opening vignettes of where I was this, you know, I had a smoking jacket on and we were introducing sort of evening theater type thing and then interspersal technology. But I, I want to make this fun. And I had people come up to me for three years after that came out. And this was the day before online streaming. We had to ship DVDs. I mean, I, this was this wow. was old school stuff. That cool. And I got to sign autographs <laughs> and, and my question to them was like, well, what was it that you got out of it? What, you know, I always want to sort of hone in on what's the benefit or what's the one takeaway that they got out of that. Then I can focus on that going forward. And if I don't get any of those and okay, I like, I've totally missed the audience or what's going on with that. So, so it's, it, that sort of forces that self-study, if you will. Um, I, I try not to, one thing I have learned is you got to be yourself and, and this came about really my first interaction with Microsoft. I, I was outside doing some contract training. I was an MCT, a certified trainer. So I've always like, you know, teaching people things. And uh, we, we were launching Windows Me. I don't know if you remember. That I remember that, yeah. So we, we were that. having this road show for what we called at the time as a system builder channel. So these are little white box PC makers that, that pretty much don't exist anymore. But we were doing this road show, and I went out and, and there was this, uh, they, they got about 10, 10 trainers in and they were trying to teach us to do all these things. And there's this one guy in there that was that professor, you know, he, he had the glasses, he had the, the, the coat with the, you know, the college professor type thing, which I, I've always enjoyed that style. So I started to try to emulate that style, and I was failing miserably. And it gets to the night before, and I'm telling my wife, "Look, I I don't belong here. I've, I've got no confidence. I've been failing all week." And she said, "Look, you have to be yourself." So so I went back. the The next day was sort of the finals, and we'd get to sort of see where we'd get to go. And I just I totally unrehearsed, but I, I'd sort of going through in my head, and it was just me. Things were falling off the table, things were breaking, but you know I worked all that stuff into into the, the presentation that I had. And I got a call two weeks later and said, dude, you were the best one there and you need to do like do half the shows with me. So I just said, that was a lesson that I, that I keep reflecting upon myself. I can watch other people. I can watch Ted talks and see, okay, is there something there that I can use? But, but it's got to be me doing it. You know, it, it can't be me emulating somebody else. It's, it's a mistake to try and adopt somebody else's style. Yeah, isn't it? and I see a lot of people do that. I see a lot of, I, I coach a lot of speakers inside uh, my group and team. And you sort of see some of that of them trying to emulate somebody else. or doing something that is not their personality. And, you know, you've got to map your speech with your personality or, or you're going to struggle and fail. Now, again, that's not to say that there's always room for improvement and, and it's but it's a little tweaks it's not a major rehaul yeah let's talk about finding your personality uh, one thing that really
0: helped me to become a public speaker was uh you know when i was a teenager i did a lot of acting mm-hmm. um it helped me get used to being on spa- stage and doing voice projection that sort of stuff uh and you mentioned improv earlier
1: uh so tell me about yeah. improv I, you know, that is something I tell everybody and, it, and it, I, I go speak to students at high schools that are about to go into college or college graduates. And, and that's always something I recommend anybody, especially if you're in sales. But but if you're going to do presentations, it, it, te- it teaches me, it teaches you some great things. One of them is it teaches you to listen, um, you know, so because you, you're playing off the other person and, and it's always the yes and. Uh, oh, that's right. You always got to say yes, right? Yeah. You're going to say yes. And it's not a yes, but, cause that's a no or or a yes. How about this? You know, that's, that's a no, that's yeah, that's, yes that's sort of me. negating what the <laughs> other person's trying to bring to the table. It's just, you know, basically in essence, just saying you're wrong. And it's hard. You, you have to listen to where they're going and get all the things that are running around. I'm I'm 15 scenes ahead in my head that I'm constantly having to rewrite as the other person's giving me, you know, tossing something to me. Um, so, so being able to, and if you're in sales, that, that's critical. Be able to, to listen to what the customer is telling you. Or if you're like my example before, if I'm out in the audience, and I'm learning something about the audience before my, my talk. It makes it easy to incorporate in that. Cause I'm actually listening. and say, This is, this is a value of just at least one person out there. Can it, can I use that in there? So it teaches you that. Then it teaches you also to have that flexibility. to 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 adapt to something else if if somebody gives you something unintended you don't get rattled by it you say oh this is cool how can i play with this let me incorporate this you know you may you may take a miss a beat or take a take a breath but i i so challenging to to sort of get in and just invigorate keeps me alive when i go do that but i recommend improv for anybody in just about any field of work so how do you get started? I guess you just joined a local group? Yeah, there was a local group downtown Austin um, that was down at the Star Theater. She, she's she got a company that that does this. And and I want to go, I've got to carve out some time on my calendar because I want to go to the next levels of doing that. I want to take that more, you know, join the troupe and really do that on a more regular basis. But I, I got sort of the baseline of it, which is enough to be dangerous. Uh, so <laughs> sort of understand it. I'm not qualified to teach anybody that.
0: Uh, so you speak... Um, you speak as part of your job, but you, speaking is not a full-time gig for you, is it? I mean, you, you're, you, you work at Microsoft, you do, you do sales. Speaking is something that you have to do to um, execute your role. You know, th- this podcast is also for people who find themselves in that situation. Uh, we do interview people who are full-time speakers and professional speakers, but, you know, most people, it's just part of their job. And how do you manage that? How, how does that work?
1: You know, that's, that's a great question. I, um, again, it comes a little bit natural to me, but I work with people where they struggle with that, that they have the fear of getting in front of the crowd. And when I'm out on the stage doing this, I I am the face of Microsoft at the time. You know, we're, we're a big company, but we have way more customers than that. And a lot of the customers simply want that relationship with the company that, that comes on with it. And I don't tell people that are timid about that. Cause that just puts more stress on them. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm representing the company. Yeah. But, but if you put that human face on it and and try to get them to realize the, the, the word, you won't die. Nobody's died from talking in front of a group of people. Um, but, but just sort of relax. And it, it helps you do your job better because again, you're sort of connecting with the customer to do that. And it's rare that we get to, you know, in, A lot of people go through their entire career and don't get to tell their company's story. You know, what do you do for a living? Why sit in this cubicle and I crunch numbers all day. That's not, you know, that's, that's to me, that would be a miserable existence. Um, this is a, this is a reward and an opportunity that you get to have. And and, and if you approach it like that, anytime that I approach something, that's a reward or an opportunity, I I find it, Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's at the end of the day, I get way more back than, then I, you know, then I've expended energy out of it. It's
0: kind of this improv style thinking, isn't it? Yes. And yeah,
1: yeah yes. And it's, right. You know, it's, it's what are the possibilities. Um, exactly. The, what if you, I mean, you
0: see, so do you coach people to speak? Do you help people? To I do. You?
1: Yeah. I, I'm a mentor yeah. to, to a bunch of uh, our team, you know, as a sales team, we're in front of customers all the time. So, you know, it could be a few people It could be, you know, a, a hundred it could be a thousand people that we're in front of. And it's part of our job and I want them to be successful in their job. And, and so I'll sit back and, and the most rewarding thing I get, and this was, you know, my life after Microsoft at some point in time, maybe 300 years from now or something. <laughs> Does that exist? Yeah, I don't, think I, don't know. You know, no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point in time, I, I want to be able to do a coaching and, and cause I get a lot of uh, reward yeah. from helping other people. It's not so much that, what, what's most rewarding about that is when somebody does something with a little bit of information that you've given them, and you realize that, that they absorb it, they used it, and they're doing something, a lot of times it's way better than I could have done it, you know? And I said, yeah, it's, it's like a parent, you know, you know and, uh, and I've got, I've had kids and grandkids and you, it's, it's, there's an r- intangible reward that you get from that, that you can't get anything. And so I look for every opportunity I can to mentor other people. And, and again, it's little tweaks and it's a little, a lot of it, I find there, they think they have to follow an exact script that comes on. And for most people, you know, some people, I can't read a teleprompter if my life depended on it. If you watch some of my LinkedIn videos, those are all sort of built in my head as words are coming out of my mouth. I have sort of a structure and a, and a feel for that. But it's built real time because it's just the way my brain works. I realize everybody's brain doesn't do it and they have to have a little bit more parameters in that. And I try to find that comfort zone. Okay, how much scripting do you need to to come across and execute where you're comfortable? And then how much freedom do you have to be yourself and do these other things? I mean, I found public speaking to be uh, really
0: amazing for my career and it really moves you to the next level. But if you're a coach and somebody working for you or, or a colleague um, that you know will benefit, that has a really interesting story, um, that has a huge problem with public speaking, they get panic attacks or stage fright or whatever. Would you push them hard to
1: do it? How hard?
0: What would you do? How, how hard would you push them to get up on stage?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a bit of a bully sometimes. Okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm rather okay. large, anyways. You know, so I'm six foot four, you know, two hundred some odd pounds. So I'm a little bit imposing, as it comes. So are we talking sink or swim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I would never uh-huh. do that to anybody. Uh, on okay, um, you know, it, it's sort of let's turn the water up. We have a saying down here in the south: is how you know you, how do you cook a frog? Where you turn the water up slowly, or it jumps out of the pot. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it's it's okay. First of all, I get them to tell me their story, and, and, and you know they'll they'll be going through. I, I had an example. One of my guys Chris who's fantastic I mean when we interviewed him I said he, he was a much younger gentleman than I am and, and I said God, he's got such passion and there's such talent there that you can see and, and it's easier to sort of roll and you, I had to roll him back a little bit he was a little reach to go do things and tried to boil the ocean with that and I said okay let, let's step back and it's easier to do that than it is to mo- sort of motivate somebody but getting them to tell it to me first Right, where if you're comfortable, because okay. a lot of people they just don't like to share personal things with, with anybody else, or they don't, you know, they don't feel like it has any value to anybody. So if you're in it sort of a one-on-one like we are, you know, we're just hey, pretend we're we're drinking some pints and and we're just you know shooting the stuff at the bar, and you know, tell me about it, and we get a little bit comfortable about that. Then I'll find an opportunity later with a few more people around. And I said, you know, Chris, that was a great story. Would you mind sharing it again? And, and so before they realize yeah. it, they're in front yeah. of like a hundred people and they do it. What a dog dude! Do to me. <laughs> I, get, I, get that, uh, I get that a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you have to take a coaching mentality to it. Can I, can I ask you another question uh, around uh, speaking? And this is sometimes we like to talk about sort of practical uh, advice. Do you
1: mm-hmm. travel a lot to speak? Uh, yeah, I, I get in a decent amount, not as much as I have at other periods in time. The most challenging yeah. thing I had in one of my previous roles at Microsoft is we would go do this tour, and it was it was a it was a a technical program that we had to go out. And we changed it every year then to our to our partners, and and they would you know needed to follow this to sort of get a, get a qualify for something. And I would go to I got to go to Japan, I got to go to 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 China, Singapore. Europe, you know, Germany, London, and stuff on that one. And the international audience—that is—that took a lot of getting used to. Uh, Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I I found that that the Germans were very precise and didn't hesitate to get in my face to tell me something. That that went on that, and I said, "Okay, you know, that's not something that we have." And and that's, I think, problem. Mm. Some of the challenge we have in the U.S. in general is a lot of people don't even have a passport and have never been anywhere. So I, I think the more things and the different things you get to experience makes you better if you're open to that. But then working with an interpreter, that was a whole different experience on that one waiting, saying something, then waiting for the translation to do. So wait a sec, you, you're on stage and then you have an interpreter as well? I, I had, yeah, it was these trainings type things. It was in Japan and they would have an interpreter and I would, you know, speak a little bit and, and the interpreters would always come back at to me after You have to slow down. You have to, <laughs> it's like, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and then I find that that jokes, really joke, jokes are sort of local. They <laughs> always translate to other languages.
0: That is a really weird experience.
1: It, 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 was, it was odd. I, I prefer not to have to work with an interpreter, but it was, uh, again, these are one of those things where you asked earlier about how do I sort of better myself. And, and the, the second or third time I went back with the interpreter, knowing what I had to do, I found myself being able to sort of break it up in chunks and, and I got better
0: yeah I mean, isn't that a thing? Um, maybe people put too much pressure on themselves for public speaking because they think it has
1: to be perfect first time. Maybe oh, they should yeah. just jump in and do it and make mistakes and learn well, yeah, again, nobody's throwing any tomatoes or anything at me, you know i I've gotten up yeah. there oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, i've had, I've had ones where I've almost quit. i mean i've I've had it we were Really? yeah, we, really? We, it, these are technical failures and and I put oh, way okay. too much pressure on myself on that. And, and it, was, it we were, uh, it was it was at a school district. I had um, just joined the team. This was a new team. And I had my sort of boss there and, and mentor. And I mean, there were a few people under and And the president of our company was going to be Skyping in to this at the school district. And I had school district leaders and stuff there. So there, there was just a lot of uh, important people there that I wanted to impress. And, and here was, you know, I, I'm going to knock their socks off. So I've rehearsed and I've rehearsed. And, you know, I mean, it was, is that nauseam again, these are things that I don't normally do. Again, getting back to you got to be yourself. You got to know what works. for you. I I had overdone this stuff. I had some uh, at this time, windows eight was still in a preview stage. So it was a little bit unstable to start with. And then the, the hardware that we had on really wasn't built to support it. So anyway, I'm going in there. I practiced it. I had it all down. The demo and everything else was going to go on and and just before i was supposed to go on we, we knocked knocked the, the the tablet off the table and oh. it looked, luckily it still somewhat came on but nothing worked like it. And, and you know i would go oh. try to show this or do that and it's the you know waiting for paint to dry and you're hearing crickets and nothing's going on oh. and, and I, I got off there and i was and i you know like i actually sent an apology email to everybody was there says look I, i'm sorry this was after I evaluated all the things that went on and what I would do differently the next time. I am somewhat analytical and like to go back and okay, here's the failure points. Here's the things I'll put in place so this doesn't happen in the future. And, and then you know, there's like two weeks there where I was just gonna quit. I you know I, I never want to speak again. I never want to do these other things. And and you ha- I call that the pill the pit of self-loathing. <laughs> so that's going to happen. If you if you want to be a... It's going one, to happen. You should expect that. Yeah, and yeah. it's happened a couple of times, but but as I've gotten distance from that, I, I know that here's the process I have to go through to, to sort of improve and, and learn. It's, it's one of those... You get to points where I call them sort of plateaus, where you're going along, you're doing good, and, and, and it's like training for an Ironman or something like that. You have to have sort of this recovery phase or something that happens where... You, you, you change what you're doing and then you can go up to that next level. Um, and it's, it's just, it's going to happen. You do this enough, things are going to break and things are going to happen. I, mm-hmm. I used to tell as a mentor in team and team in training, the triathlon team, I said, look, expect for one thing to go wrong during the race. And if it does, then you're prepared for it. It doesn't totally throw off your race. It doesn't ruin your entire day. If it doesn't, that's one of those bonus days. That's those days that you live for. And the same thing is true in speaking.
0: Yeah, because stuff, stuff is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um I while I while I while I've got you here, Doug, I've, I've got to ask because you you spent uh, 17 years at Microsoft. Yes. Um, I
1: like, I'm a glutton for
0: punishment. That is an well. <laughs> that is an amazing amount of perspective on you know one of the, the world's great companies. Um you don't have to reveal anything <laughs> <laughs> or anything yeah. like that. But I mean what 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 has your experience been from the start and all the changes and and, and how Microsoft has evolved in terms of technology vision and culture. Um,
1: I'm just really interested, you know, to 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 hear it from the inside, so to speak. <laughs> well, okay, no no company secrets on that
0: one. <laughs> no no secrets. Uh, this is more kind of well, like
1: How you experience Microsoft. Well, one thing's been a constant wow. is I'm surrounded by extremely smart people. I'm in awe of the of the intelligence that I'm that I'm surrounded by. Um, you know, sometimes I keep waiting. Okay, have they caught on? I really don't belong here yet. You know I always okay. I sort of have this one of these days are gonna catch on I'm not nearly as smart as everybody else and I don't don't belong here um, but but you know I, you have that I, I you have the ability because it's such a large company to do different things to move around um, I, I have found over my career that if I'm in front of the customer I do much better than if they try to put me in a box somewhere like and that's a personality type thing much like speaking if you're in a job that, that's not you that's not a good personality fit, it's going to be a challenge to do with that. Yeah. But when we, when we first came on, we had the little disagreement with the government and the consent decree, and it sort of changed the way we did business with that. And, and I, I look at that as, as a great thing and a pivotal moment uh, of, of what went on. It sort of changed the trajectory of the way that, that the company behaved. Was it, was it positive with hindsight? Uh, in hindsight, yeah. It, it's one of those things. It, it's that demo that failed for me that we needed to uh, do. We needed to sort okay. of regroup and say, okay, look, um, we need to change some of the way we do business to do that. And then, um, you know, we went through the, through the, um, uh, when, when Bill left and Steve came on, we went through and, and, we were, um, somewhat challenged. We didn't adapt as fast as, as what we could, as what I thought we could have. I mean, we had some, some infighting and stuff that went on it's not that's not anything that's that's secret you can read a lot of uh, blog posts and stuff,
0: uh, and stuff. Every, every big company does yeah right? everybody
1: everybody yeah. does you, you have that it's that growth pain that you come from 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 a smaller very nimble startup to to a mature company everybody goes through that and and then when satya came on a, a few years back he really sort of turned us around and changed the culture to back it's sort of ironic Back to what it was when the company was founded. You know, we're more now. Of an, we're an applications and platform company, and and we have services. And and you know, we welcome uh, competing theories. You know, Linux, for example, uh, that keeps getting brought up. There was a time there that we called it a cancer, and now that's it's, right. Now we yeah. run more of those workloads in our in our public cloud than we do almost our workloads. So it's embracing realizing we're not we are better when we're helping everybody else. Um, you know, get better and be the best that they can be.
0: Yeah, I think that is kind of a core value. I, I remember reading somewhere a quote from, from Bill Gates about how he was proud that Microsoft had only captured 1% of the value of Windows mm-hmm. and that all the other
1: companies that were using it were getting so much more value from it than, yeah. than Microsoft was. And uh, that gets back to the coaching type thing that, that from, from, my, yeah. from my reward perspective, if I'm watching people do really great things with our product, it just amazes me. We, we just had a, yeah. a, a competition, we call it Imagine Cup, that, that's uh, higher education, students get in and they come up with these ideas that they want to, you know, it's, it's like a Kickstarter type thing. And they come up with some of the best ideas. It's like, how did you even think of that? But, you know, it's a, it's a different perspective. And I just, it's just real rewarding to do that. I've always been proud to work for Microsoft. I mean, but I'm even yeah. more now excited about our our the way we're trying to to lead the world from a a privacy standpoint or artificial intelligence you know that that's that's a big can of worms now that we're still trying to figure out in in 10 years don't build any terminators (laughs) yeah exactly that's the big fear of that it's like you know oh my gosh this is you know skynet's turning on and it's it's uh you know, I, I fear that. Then then I look at how klutzy some of this stuff is. I say, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, it's not. Like yeah, you know, it's, a long, it's a long way away. Yeah, we we can't get an uh, autonomous car to work all the time because because yeah. the problem is if everybody drove like a computer it would be fine. Uh, here in the oh, US, sure. we don't uh, ride. You know, we cross the road in the middle of the the street. It doesn't really matter. So, um, but it's interesting. It, it's thanks for asking about that. It's it's a um, I've I've had the opportunity to work for some really great people. Do some really uh, cool things with it. And it's always been energizing and challenging. So, so I always look for that. And as long as I'm adding value and learning something, I'm, I'm constantly learning something. I, I, you know, I have books and watch. You know, I, I'm a, a collector of information, if you will. Which, you know, when you go to speak, that's another good because it makes you more well-rounded, yeah. right? You, you, yeah. it's you. I can be a subject matter expert on this, but I can pull in different aspects from different pieces that that totally look, you know, dis- disconnected. Um, because to make that connection with your audience, everybody comes from a different perspective. And you need to find something that they can relate to, you know, that you can find to talk about on. So
0: isn't that isn't that an important part of talking about technology or technical subjects is the ability to draw in metaphors and analogies. Yeah. I,
1: I thought about writing a book M- Mr. Analogy, but you know, I I have to come up with an analogy <laughs> for that.
0: You, um, I mean, you. You also said to me, you, you know, you you kind of have this ambition to
1: um, take up speaking as as a as a full
0: time profession, maybe or coaching.
1: Yeah, I, again, uh, speaking and coaching piece. Yeah, um, I, again, life after Microsoft. I'm still having, please, if my boss is listening. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this is this is something that I want to develop. Well, you can do, it, you can do it after you retire. It's, it's no yeah, Exactly. Level. That's that's uh, my plan. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, you got to do something, right? It's a bit better than I playing am, golf. Yeah, I'm not well. Yeah, I, I can't afford to play golf the way I lose golf balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I,
0: I, um, it's interesting having spoken to people who've who ended up doing that. I think, um, I think you have to write as well. You have to be, you have to, you you need a few books. I think that's kind of the key. Yeah, yeah I've sort of anger. gathered.
1: Yeah, I've gathered that from some of the podcasts and stuff listening to that people are really good at. They've get they've had this the book. And, and I've got a couple that are, you know, sort of gestating in my mind. Um, one, one of them I'll right is about technical sales um, and, and sort of storytelling, which is a key component of public speaking is the storytelling piece sure. of that. It gets down to that analogy. How do I take this very technical one and zero binary AI scary subject and relate it to the 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 mother down the street or, you know, this this new person opening, wanting to open a new business. How do you relate those? things together in a way that they can understand it because, you know, I, not everybody gets technology and, and I understand that because I don't necessarily get art. I can look at a picture and they can, artists can tell me, well, this represents that. And I see just a bunch of dots on the screen. I'm not, my brain is not developed that way. I, I can appreciate it, but I really don't understand it. And, and it's somewhat like that. I'm, I'm explaining this piece of art to an artist. But it's got to be in their language. So, so the more versant you are from, from again, I, I'm a polymath. I, I, it was a term I sort of pulled out that sort of I know a little bit of. And, and it's actually sort of fits into my current job. I call it my knowledge. You know, I tell somebody, well, my knowledge is a mile wide and an inch deep. Uh, so. Yeah, but that's yeah. You 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 you
0: you synthesize.
1: And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And, and that's a key skill, right? And, and you can make inferences. So there, there's I've read some technical selling books, and they get back to that very technical thing where I'm snoozing after a page or so. So I I want to do something you can have fun with. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we let it that one out.
0: Uh, I uh, yeah, I've. I've I've read a bunch of books on book on sales, books on sales. Um, you know, I've done a bunch of startups. Um, I've never read a good book on how to do technical sales. Um, you know, I, I ran a consulting company before this. I kind of had to figure it out for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would buy that book, Doug. Well, good. That book.
1: I'll let you know when it comes out. I, I, my goal is to have it out by mid next year. So I've got, you told me it's going to be painful and all that. So I'm going uh, to prepare is, myself yeah. for for that pain and sit down and write 500 words a day or whatever I have to do. I get it out of my right. head, uh, to go on. I've started talking to book coaches and sort of, I, I find, again, I need a coach to sort of help me with this skill that I've not, I've not had. Oh,
0: you, you kind write a book without somebody, um, knocking on your door, phoning you up every week going, what have you written? What's yeah. the schedule? <laughs> you just won't
1: do it. Um,
0: it's really, it's
1: really tough. So if there's anybody uh, out there wants to nag me about that, I'm perfectly happy to have it. <laughs> I need a good nag. I've been married for, you know, over 35 years, 37 years. Um, and I've been trained well. So my wife you know, <laughs> knows how to do that, but I don't want to put that burden on her. Yeah. You need a, you need a good editor. That
0: is the, it's, it's, you know, a book is a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, you're the author and you do the main, the main sort of uh, writing and vision and that sort of stuff. But, there's a lot of other people have to come together to make the to, to get a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm perfectly
1: happy to leverage that because I don't know where to put a comma in a conjunction if I my life depended on it.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, I mean that when you get to that point and you're looking at proofs and it's like I've I've read this 50 times I really do not care
1: put it wherever you like. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you sort of, to, I don't care. Just publish it. <laughs> yeah, I just want it <laughs> I done. I want it out of here. I want to move yeah. on with my life. Right. Yeah, I, I get that, and that's that's probably it. I've. I, I am good at sort of creating and thinking about these things, and and that's why I like the speaking pieces. I don't have to write it down, and nobody grades my grammar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Doug, thank you uh, so much. This has been really great. Um, thank, you, thank you, Richard. Really, really interesting chat. Um, thank you for taking us through uh, your experiences as a, as a speaker. I'm sure we'll hear and uh, hear from you again, and uh, look forward to reading your book.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've I've applied for some TEDx things. I put in a submission for South by Southwest Edu. So we'll see. Awesome, uh, awesome. It, it's a uh, putting in a speaking uh, proposal is itself a self-a journey, as you can well be aware of that. Oh, that's a whole different <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> so, okay, thank you, Richard. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and wrap up another episode of Fireside with Boxgate. You can find notes and links from this podcast at boxgatecom slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, one you can also learn. Visit boxgig.com newsletter to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Please also leave a review. That helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email richard at boxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.